From the After 9 Podcast Studios, this, this is After 9 with Scott and Kat. Hey now! Hello! Hello to everyone except for the Kansas City Chiefs. <laughs> sore loser. I'm not a sore loser. Oh, fuck. Okay, you know what? First off, hi everybody. Welcome to After 9. We're going to talk about a lot of stuff in this episode, including... Uh, pay raises for our politicians. We're going to talk about uh, UFC on the weekend in Toronto. And we're going to talk about the Buffalo Bills yesterday because I'm really, really, really running out of ways to say that A, I hate losing, and B, the NFL hates Buffalo, and C, I'm really... (sighs) We've all heard the rumors that sports are scripted, right? Yeah, yeah. Name a league, any league, and there's a lot of rumors surrounding it. I swear, I think every league is covered in that. Yeah. Football in particular seems bad. Yeah. And and people will say that, and I say it's completely ridiculous to suggest that football is scripted. I mean, how could they keep that a secret? And then I thought, maybe they're not even trying to keep it a secret. Do you remember when we all thought wrestling was real? And then they basically came out and said, well, it's not really real, is, real, but... Is that true at one point? Did people think wrestling was actually real? Oh, at one point, people thought wrestling was real. Wow, And, okay. and then they clarified it's actually sports entertainment. Yeah. And I'm wondering at what point do we have to consider the real possibility that this multi-billion dollar industry, football, mm-hmm. is sports entertainment as well? Because the way these things happen, it's just... You couldn't write a book any better. Bills, what were they? 0-4 against the Chiefs in the playoffs, even though they've beat everybody else that they've played in the playoffs. And and it's the Mahomes coming to Buffalo story. Taylor Swift is an add-on to this story. And, and, and Jason. And Jason Kelsey shows up. Yeah. Tailgates with the Bills fans. Went absolutely hog wild in that, that hospitality suite. Taylor Swift must have been looking, thinking, what the fuck is going on here? This is going to be my brother-in-law, the guy running around shirtless, chugging beers. I love it. I bet you she loved it because for once it wasn't just on her. Maybe she doesn't mind that. You know what I mean? Go ahead. Make headlines about him going shirtless and chugging beers, man. It's better than you just constantly talking about how much the camera's on me. You know? Yeah. Maybe it's a nice break for her to have such a maniac for a future brother-in-law, potentially. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Boy, that wedding will be crazy, won't it? Let me tell you, though. He's a fun time. Jason Kelsey's great. partying with Jason Kelsey. And to his credit, he did send out a tweet afterwards thanking the city of Buffalo, saying, I had a really great time in your city. You've got a great one. Thank you. I will see you soon. Now every Bills fan's like, get Jason Kelsey signed yeah, to the Bills. Yeah, of course. He'd fit in great. Yeah. Well, anyway, back to my original point here. I, I, If it's just purely competition, then it is crazy, the twists and turns. Green Bay almost upset the favorites on the weekend, the 49ers. It was a bad pass in the last quarter of the game that ended it for them. Bills, a fairly routine kick to tie it up. Tyler Bass is an excellent kicker. He doesn't miss very often. 44 yards is not the shortest field goal, but it's also not the longest. Wide right. Give me a break. Is there any possibility here that the NFL just looked at it and thought, Buffalo's great, they've got their fan base, they're not in any trouble, it is not going to be the ratings juggernaut and the the marquee matchup that we want, though, for our championship game. We really need it to be San Fran versus Baltimore. And told the Bills or found a way to make sure the Bills got screwed here. 
or, or made sure that they didn't go on to the AFC championship? I'm going to say it's possible. And before, I thought that suggestion was crazy. But too many crazy yeah. things are happening for me to say, oh, yeah, that's just the way sports work. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I'm, I've, I've wondered this, and it's interesting when you look back on some of the sports. I've seen, I feel like there's even like a, there's many documentaries on it, I'm sure, but one, a couple of note on scripting in sports. And I, it centered on baseball, that said. So it was not on football. But when you go back and you look at different things that happened in that year, projections and money, it's all about money. We all know this. It's all about money. So maybe that has something to do with it. I would question, like, wouldn't they for sure want Kansas City in the final if they did script it? You do, because the more Taylor Swift is there, their female numbers have jumped. And females, female money marketing equals money, 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 money. So I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. There's a lot of real frustrated Bills fans, but hey, good on the Detroit Lions. They found a way to make it to the NFC Championship. They're going to play San Francisco this weekend. Winner goes on to the Super Bowl, and no offense, Michigan, but not a lot of great things are happening in Detroit right now. (laughs) We just sold you a 40-year-old used LRT. Yeah, I was happy for them yesterday. I was actually happy for them. And my husband's a Bucks fan, so he was, like, upset. But at the same time, he, he shared the same sentiment where he's like, yeah, you know, just let him have it. Like, Bucks won a couple years back. He's just let him have it. <sighs> Frustrated as a Bills fan. But that's okay. I know a lot of people are. Uh, good luck to the final four teams remaining. Detroit, San Francisco, and Kansas City, and Baltimore this weekend. Okay. Let's, uh, oh, you know what? You want to talk about UFC real quick before we move on from sports? Okay, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How did it go on uh, Saturday? Well, not well for the government. How do you suppose it feels when an entire arena of 22,000 people is yelling, fuck Trudeau at the top of their lungs? Yeah. Worldwide. Brought on by the fighter. Attention. Brought on by the fighter fighting. Sure. But I mean, hey, the fighter, Strickland is his name, right? And, yeah. And he ended up losing. I didn't know if when he came into Toronto and made those comments that we played in last week's podcast, I didn't know if he was going to get booed or I didn't know if he was going to get cheered like some sort of a hero. There were some people booing. But for the most part, it was a standard ovation for him. And when the whole crowd broke into the chant of fuck Trudeau, I thought, wow, that's pretty powerful. I, I, maybe UFC fans all fall into a specific demo or something like that, but it, it doesn't seem normal for an entire arena in Toronto to be chanting F the prime minister. Different one for me. Uh, Joe Rogan talked about it uh, mm-hmm. during his... He was doing like a Simo broadcast where he was watching the fight yeah. and, and commenting on it. Yeah. Listen to this. I mean, you gotta do this. <laughs> fuck Trudeau. How's that the UFC? Yelling, yelling, fuck Trudeau. Love it. <laughs> yeah. Love it. Yeah. That guy's Canada. A piece of shit. Canada, get your shit together. Come back. Come back to what you used to be. I mean, <clears throat> it's good. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Uh, by the way, the federal government is meeting in Montreal right now. They are there having a cabinet retreat. And I did the math on this, cat. They broke for Christmas, December 15th. I think most of us worked up till like the 22nd, 23rd. Something like that, yeah, yeah. They went a week earlier. And then I think most people came back on like the 4th or 5th or maybe the following Monday. That's when the schools came back in. The government didn't. 
And I thought, okay, well, it's got to be today. It's got to be. I mean, Jesus, it's over January a, well 22nd. over a month. It's a month and a week. Yep. No, they're not getting back together today either. So it's going to be another full week without the House of Commons sitting in the middle of a housing emergency because <laughs> they decided to schedule. After six weeks off, they decided to schedule a cabinet retreat in Montreal for today. Okay. So that means no government business here, nothing that gets voted on, is getting done for another week. What do they do at the retreats? What is this, like a team building thing? What is it to retreat? They're being briefed by okay. experts. They say this is It's them. work. It really is work. Do you believe it? Oh, are we, God, no. Are we all believing that it's work? You've been to uh, work junkets before. Yeah. Usually, you do like maybe an hour's worth of work, and then you you fuck the dog. It's like, hey, let's <laughs> go totally for drinks. Do. Let's yeah. go for lunch. Let's do this. Yeah, let's do that. You got the hotel. That. You got the dinner lined up, maybe. You just taxpayer dollars fucking right. That's what you're doing. And that's exactly what they're doing. That's what it is. Nah. So they say they're going to be talking about the housing crisis, affordability, and they're also going to be discussing Canada-U.S. relations. This weekend was crazy. I was flipping through. I like the Sunday morning news shows, something to do before football comes on. And whether it was CTV or CBC or CP24, all the news channels I get, they were all running stories on what happens if Donald Trump wins? How bad will it be for Canada if Donald Trump wins? It's like they're trying to scare Canadians out of voting for Donald Trump, and they haven't realized Canadians can't vote for Donald Trump. Hmm. It's a ridiculous premise to be worried now about something that might happen next November. And by the way, I think the vast majority of Canadians, it's still a little unpopular to say you're a Trump supporter. I think the vast majority of Canadians have seen what's gone on here, and they wouldn't be opposed to another term for Donald Trump. So they're missing the mark on that. But the reason I wanted to bring it up is because the members of parliament are getting another raise, and we're now into uncharted territory here, Kat. Our federal politicians, as of April Fool's Day, are going to be making big hay. You ready for this? Ready. I don't know. <laughs> Go ahead. The raise is going to range between $8,100 and $16,200, depending on how much they're making now. And right now, backbenchers make less than cabinet ministers, and then there's parliamentary secretaries in between. So here's what it'll break out, break down to. If you're just a regular, run-of-the-mill, backbench MP, meaning you're elected, you're a member of parliament, but you're not one of the cabinet ministers. Your new salary as of April 1st is $202,700 a year. Cabinet ministers, $299,300 a year. Whoa. Trudeau himself as the prime minister, his pay now goes up to $405,400. And this all comes with perks. Driver, oh, yeah. staff, yep. uh, lots of per diems when you're on the road. You can expense a shit ton of stuff. It's really, really bad how much we're paying these people. And as you just heard, they've been off for six weeks. Six yeah. weeks. And when there's people, yeah, the whole thing, it just looks gross, right? It, it just looks gross and there's so many people struggling and then you're hearing so much more money coming your way. Like, come on. No wonder they can't relate to the middle class that's struggling yeah. right now. Yeah, they can't. Even the shitheads. Yeah, they cannot. They're making $202,000 a year. Mm -hmm. If you're a backbench MP, I've heard that it's a fairly lonely existence. You know, you're in government, but you're not really in government. 
Nobody really gives a shit what you think because they only care what the cabinet ministers think. You don't get all the resources that the cabinet ministers get. It probably sucks. Yeah. But nobody is watching you. There are very, very few expectations of a backbencher MP. And they're making $202,000 a year. Plus, they get the apartment in Ottawa if they live far enough away from Ottawa. They get the, the driver, the car, the chief of staff. They get the, the office staff in their home riding, plus in Ottawa. We're spending way too much money now on government. It's nuts. Yeah. I, um, I brought that up for a couple of different reasons. We mentioned that we're in a housing crisis. I think everybody understands that. One of the things that I almost fell off my chair about when I learned on the weekend is an online petition has been started in Hamilton. It's a petition for the Ministry of Defense to open up the downtown Hamilton Armory as a warming center on cold nights. Right. In the petition, they point out, it is an 18,000 square foot facility that is heated through taxpayer money because it's the Department of National Defense. But it's not being used. There's nobody in there. Inside that armory, 400 cots... Nine men's showers, five women's showers, and three different kitchens not being used. And it's just sitting there empty. Why? While people sleep on the street around it. Uh, What are we doing here? What are we doing? Like, we have a crisis of people, regular people like you and I that just ended up in an unfortunate situation, probably caused by the situation that we're in that are sleeping on the street. I was doing the rock game on Saturday, and I uh, I had to pop outside to get my uh, regular glasses because I was stupid and wore my sunglasses in the building. <laughs> so Not a cool look after all, huh? No, no. A little douchey? By the way, I did. I look like such a douche. <laughs> look at that douche hosting the game. We. Uh, <laughs> by the way, the rock did win. They are now 5-0. and Oh, that's good. First in the league, best start to a season in franchise history. This coming Saturday, big game against Buffalo. There was a lot of our radio listeners there, too. I got a lot of DMs from people saying, it was my first game, and I can't believe I've never been to a game. So if that's you, Saturday night against Buffalo, it's beach night at First Ontario Center. But anyway, I'm, I'm like tripping over people that are homeless on the streets. Like all their stuff just laid out on the sidewalk because mm-hmm. they've got nowhere else to go. You mean to tell me we've got a government building a block away that we're paying to heat with 400 beds in it, three kitchens, nine men's bathrooms, and five women's bathrooms, and it never before this regular citizen created this online petition, it never occurred to anybody that we could put some of the homeless people there? We could keep yeah. 400 of them there. That's, incre- that's incredible that nobody thought of that before. Or was there hesitancy or did they seriously just not think about it until someone brought it up? Like, hey, maybe we could do something with this building. Like you said, it's already being taken care of in terms of heating and everything else and probably going to have a lot of volunteer resources attached to it if, if they do decide to run it. So why not? Well, this is an emergency. We yeah. have all these uh, military assets that could be helping right now. And nearest I can tell, we're not at war. I mean, there is a war happening over in the Middle East and another in Ukraine, but we're not actively involved in either of them. Use the damn armory. Put people in there. Keep them warm so they don't get frostbite. What are we doing? Why did we not think of this sooner?
Jeez. It's absolutely so, asinine. Does it look like they're going to do it, by the way? That's all that said? Well, I Or mean, does it have to be put to a vote? Or how does that work? Like I said, the it was a regular citizen in Hamilton that started this petition oh, okay. who okay. saw these people. Yeah. So no doubt this is going to turn into a colossal embarrassment because now people like you and I, Realize regular people, it. are realizing, yeah. wait, what? Yeah. We've got a building that taxpayers are funding to heat and and it's got 400 cots yeah. in it and we're not using it. So at this point, I have to think Bill Blair is the chief of defense or he's the minister of defense. Yeah. I have to think he's paying attention because yeah. the liberals don't need any more bad publicity. I hope so. I mean, look at this weather. There's people sleeping outside. There's people sleeping outside right now that need a, a warm place to sleep. Oh, gosh, that's the least that we could do, you know? Use every building available. Yeah. You know what? I know the politicians, they like their nice little city hall. They they like their offices at city hall and the council chambers and such. I don't give a shit. If we have to, get them sleeping in the rotunda at city hall. People have got to get indoors. And frankly, we've got so many shelters out there that are only open business hours. That's the biggest problem in Waterloo region mm-hmm. is they've got warming centers. They all close at six. Yeah. And there's other places who do have beds, but they rotate. And and understandably why. They don't have enough beds for everybody, so they rotate. You can't stay there more than one night at a time. So you can stay there a night, and then, sorry, you're on your own after that. And maybe you can come back after a week. I'm not sure everyone will operate differently, but that's another thing I learned, is that, understandably, they want to rotate people so that there's not the same person sleeping in it. But, gosh, what a shame that we even have to do that, you know? Why are regular people like us thinking of this and not the government? Like they said, this is top of mind. They're the ones who called this an emergency. Get people out of the cold. Anyway, uh, sometimes I feel like I'm banging my head against the wall trying to ask, where is the common sense? Seems like they don't have any. Uh, Another thing, though, federally, Kat, this just came down over the weekend. The RCMP has eased their policy on cannabis use by officers. Until now... They were using the policy that was created in 2018 when cannabis was legalized. That required that police officers in the RCMP not use any cannabis within four weeks of a scheduled shift. In other words, Hmm. if they have a shift coming up in Valentine's Day, no weed between now and then. Because if they happen to get tested and there's cannabis in their system, they could be fired. They could lose their job. Mm-hmm. Now they've changed it to what makes far more sense. You must be fit for duty when you report for duty. In other words, you're not going to smoke a bong and then go in and do your shift as an RCMP officer. But if you want to have a, a, a pre-roll or an edible or something today and you're not working again till like maybe Wednesday, even tomorrow night, fine. Yeah. Why did we go so over the top? 40 days before their shift? Yeah. That's fucking crazy. Yeah. Um, I, it, it's funny. I know someone who, who had that exact same situation, and they were actually used to having edibles quite frequently and then had to go without because he wasn't sure when he could get called in. It could be a week away, and then by then it's too late, right? So that's, I, I, yeah, that's good. As long as you're not impaired at the moment. I mean, if you're allowed to drive a couple days later, why wouldn't you? Like, it doesn't make sense. To me, it's also another example of the disconnect between alcohol and cannabis. And I know that cannabis is still relatively new. It is compared to alcohol. But, I mean, there was no restriction and no limit on how much people could drink or when they could drink before they did a shift. They just had to be fit for duty. That's alcohol. But with cannabis, 40 days, that seemed really excessive. I'm really glad that they changed that because... uh, 
That wasn't fair to the cops. Oh, and by the way, the union that represents 20,000 RCMP officers said, glad they changed it because it wasn't in alignment with the current police universe. In other words, they're regular people and they have a shit job. And after they've, I don't know, fished somebody's car out of Toronto Harbor or dealt with a, a terror attack on a mall, yeah, they could probably smoke up a little bit if they want to. It shouldn't even have been a question. In Kitchener, dealing with something a little different, for the second time in three months, somebody stole a truck loaded with nuts. Nuts. $70,000 worth of pistachios were stolen in Wilmot Saturday night. It happened around 9.30 from a lot on Foundry Street. Again, what's odd about this is it's the second nut truck theft in three months. A truck hauling walnuts was stolen on Hespeler Road in Cambridge back in November. Are, are, okay, so we're assuming that those two are, or sorry, is the, are the cops. So here's my question. Are the police investigating this as being linked officially? Yeah, they are. They are officially. Because, yes. I mean, what are the odds, right? Stealing trucks is one thing, but you just happen to steal trucks filled with nuts and there's two of them in that amount of time? One would say there is. Is there a special underground nut store that we're on? on <laughs> that we, <laughs> is what I want to know. Now, listen, nuts are expensive. For those who don't buy nuts, maybe you don't. I don't know. All nuts are relatively expensive, some more than others. Peanuts are cheap. Peanuts are cheaper. You know, you get into the other. Well, there's a whole bunch in the middle there. Uh, pecans and the walnuts, pretty expensive. Pretty, yeah, dang expensive. Almonds, really expensive. The almond, Watch out if you're driving an almond truck for some reason right now. If <laughs> you, you might need to hire an armored it's truck. It's like you better get Brinks on your ass or some shit. I don't know. Those people take stuff seriously. Um, but it's, I guess it's kind of a scary situation in a way if you are in the, in the nut business, cause that's a lot of work too. I think about the amount of work it takes too to collect everything and you put a lot of money into it and boom, someone ups and steals it. $70,000 worth of nuts. But I am wondering what happens to them. What is happening with them? Like, are there some stores that are selling, I guess we'll call them illegal nuts is what we'll call them because they're, they're, they're stolen nuts, but are selling them for cheaper to like. Small-time stores, convenience stores on the side. I don't know how many convenience stores have nuts, but do you know what I mean? Like, just selling them? Is that what you think they're doing? They're stealing to sell? I think it is likely a little bit of that. They're probably selling it to people who need nuts for something. I don't know, some rogue bakery, whatever. But they've got to be sending them overseas. You can't just set up a hut in the parking lot at an en route and say, hey, we got nuts and they're cheap. People are going to catch on to that. Yeah. They're probably doing the same thing with these nuts that they're doing with all the stolen cars. They're going to end up in the back of a shipping container on a boat bound for Dubai or something like that. And we will never see those nuts again. But that's a $70,000 loss. Mm -hmm. And God only knows how much the walnuts were worth. They're expensive too. They're very expensive. Yes. So if you're offered um, underground nuts... (laughs) If you, so you might much, want to ask a few questions. If someone just walks up to you on the street and goes, hey, you want some nuts? You got to be careful anyway. Like, no matter what, I would say, if anyone offers you nuts, be careful. Words to live by. <laughs> right? I think that goes for anything in the nut category. Yeah. Oh, uh, it's just breaking this morning, but apparently the immigration minister, Mark Miller, has announced a cap on the number of international students that are going to be allowed into Canada this year 
and next year because it's really come to light recently. You can go back and listen to it last week. We had a conversation on it. How many asylum seekers and international students are really just buggering up the whole system. And that's part of the reason that we have way too many people here and not enough houses for them. Now, one of the things I learned over the weekend in talking to someone who knows a little bit about this is we have a lot of students that came to Canada on an international student visa that don't even go to school. They got permission to come here based on they've been accepted at Sheridan yeah. or Humber or, or U of T. They don't even go. They probably couldn't even find the school on a map. They use the school grant to come here, and that gives them the ability to got work. Got it. Got it. Maybe they'll show up at one or two classes so they don't get kicked out of school or something like that or just show up and write the exam. This is their key to working here. By the way, it's really unfair how they do it. When an international student comes to Canada, they have their studies and they're allowed to work to supplement their income because it's expensive to go to school. Mm -hmm. Yet when Canadians go to school in America, they are strictly forbidden from working. Not allowed to take jobs from Americans. We don't have that policy here. Anybody can come here. Anybody can take a job. So that's a bit backwards. The reason this is coming up today and the reason there's going to be discussion about it is because there's a lot of people who have clued into the fact that international students pay way more than Canadian students. If somebody wants to come here from New Delhi to study, they will pay a fortune compared to someone who lives in Oakville, Mississauga, Mm -hmm. North York, Newmarket, whatever. So the universities are basically treating international students as an ATM. They bring them here. We fleece them for cash. And and I don't think the schools necessarily give a shit what happens to them after that. No. Now they're saying because there's a cap on the number of international students that are coming, tuition is going to have to go up. For Canadians. and a lot Because of, they unfairly made them spend more money, essentially. That's right. And now they need to make up what they've lost. Right. Now, the universities would have you believe that we, the taxpayers, should give them more money to run their institutions. And I, I, I think we're broke. I don't think we have any more money to give to the universities. And the universities should be operating like a business. If it costs them, I don't know, $10,000 per student, then they should charge $10,000 per student. Or... Hear me out here. Do you remember the way it used to be? If you were a a real good student and you worked your butt off in school to get great grades, if you went in with a a 90-something average and, and no suspensions on your report card and a nice recommendation letter from your teacher or principal, you were going to get into university or college and you were going to get a preferential rate because you're smart. Schools want the smartest people coming to their institutions or they're supposed to. Right now, they want the the richest international students in their school. But the way it used to be was the smartest ones, it was a competition. It was a competition, yeah. Western and and Laurier and McGill and Bishops and Carlton, they were all fighting over it. Hey, there's a kid with a 97 average that goes to school in London, and we want to attract them to our school to try and bolster our roster. We're going to offer them some scholarships to make it more attractive to come here. Yeah, we could always, let's see what we can do for you was always the way that it used to be when you were good enough. I mean, this is the truth. Sorry to say it that way, but it, when when you're good enough, 
They want you, so it's what can we do for you as a school. So the way it used to work was schools, not relying on international students to try and make up their revenue, they would attract the real smart ones, cool shit would happen, they'd put out their press releases, look what our students created. And those people would pay a little less. But if you went in there with a 75 average and kind of questionable behavior on your your uh, your transcript and eh, not yeah. great, you were paying full pop. You weren't getting a scholarship. And that was just the way it worked. Smart got rewarded with better rates. Less qualified did not get rewarded with all those breaks, and everything worked fine. How did things get so far out of whack that really they don't even care about the, the Canadian students because they don't pay as much as the international students? Now they're going to have to pivot. They got to pivot big time because without as many international students, they're going to have to get back on track. And I think that's exactly what our universities and colleges need. Get back on track, give scholarships to the real smart ones, create that incentive in high school to do better, to pay attention. Right now, it's just obligatory. If I went back to high school now and really didn't give a shit, if I just showed up and did the bare minimum, I'd still get accepted to university. Oh, yeah. Like you said, though, because that absolutely has everything to do with money. There's no real fear here that people going to school are not going to get into a post-secondary institution unless it's filled up with international students. And I know that that was causing a problem, particularly in schools that work on, say, medicine and things like that. Uh, The federal government, by the way, this came up a few minutes ago, has announced next month they're going to hold a summit on the amount of auto thefts that are happening in Canada. They say they want to get the provinces and industry officials, insurance companies and cops, together to address the growing issue of cars being stolen and shipped abroad. The government (laughs) says there needs to be a plan to stop organized crime from profiting off of cars stolen on Canadian streets. Yeah. Have we, again, do we need to say this again? Do we need to do this again? Like... Yeah, check the ports. Check check everything. Check everything. Who's not checking it? And why? Like, you know that that's where they're going. They're not staying on Canadian soil. They're being... No, in some cases, maybe they're being driven underground somewhere. Maybe that's where all the nuts are, underground with the cars. I don't know. <laughs> but in a lot of cases, that's exactly what's happening. They're being placed into shipping containers, and they were being taken out to sea. Someone, and people are behind it. So that, yes, absolutely, that deserves more than just an investigation. Yes, get on it. Get on it. In fact, what took you so long to get on it? The car thefts are up 212% in Toronto and 123% in Montreal. It's bad. So bad. It's bad. And a lot of people ransacking cars now, too, right now. Like, regardless of... And they're scoping. They're scoping, too. There's been a lot of activity um, in a lot of different areas across Ontario. From the pages that I see, people are like, look out for this, look out for that. And they look like different groups of people. So there's a lot of it. There's a lot of it. The, uh, The police... I feel like aren't even trying anymore. Very, very discouraging what's going on in a lot of cases. Uh, I told you about a friend of mine that had his Lexus stolen recently. Cops didn't even show up until the next day because they just know, nah, fuck it, that's gone. Yeah. Okay, well, maybe there needs (laughs) needs to be a bit more of an effort. Over the weekend, two different stories dropped of interest. Number one, a guy tracked his vehicle thanks to an AirTag that was hidden in the car. He knows exactly where it is. The problem is it's over in the Middle East. Okay, can we not call the Middle East cops and say, hey, you got a Range Rover there that actually belongs to us. Go and arrest whoever's got it. Now, in that case, that's some bullshit here. So why did he track where it left? In real time. He was telling the cops, okay, the car's on the 401. Car is now entering uh, Montreal. Car is now at the port of Montreal. 
nobody would look. See, that's that's not right. Like the, I would I would hope that that's n- not right. That they actually are investigating that. You could see that the car left the party. Why aren't we checking them? Check the fucking containers. I don't understand. So somebody who is an insurance industry expert and a listener of After Nine DM'd me when we talked about this a couple weeks ago, and he said, "Scott, it's not that simple." No, no, it's not like we can just hire a bunch of CBSA officers to check all the the, the tins that are getting moved out at the Port of Montreal. Why? He says because there's too many of them. I mean, if we're losing twenty ninety thousand dollar cars a day, I would think it's worth it to have a few extra staff and say, "Hey, open the door. Great, you're on your way. Open the door. Great, you're on your way. Open the door. You're on your way." If you see a car in there, we're just going to do a quick check on the VIN. We can just scan it and let you know if it's stolen or not. And we're not talking about small-time shit. We're not talking about one car that goes every month. We're talking there's got to be multiple, many containers per shipments of going wherever they're going. Well, he also said that part of the problem here is these thieves are way ahead of the cops. I bet they are. And they know, probably after this summit, which still isn't for another month, But they'll have this summit and they'll probably do something like say, we're going to beef up security inspections at the Port of Montreal. The thieves are so far ahead of it that they've already started working on a contingency plan, i.e. if they start checking uh, ships or containers at the Port of Montreal, they'll just take them down to like Port Dover and they'll load them on a ship there. They'll take it to Welland, load them on a ship there, Hamilton, uh, Port Elgin, any number of different places where ships stop they could load a cargo container with a vehicle onto it and then it would bypass the Port of Montreal and just sail right out to sea. We've got a big problem here and no one seems to be doing anything about it and it's going to raise all of our insurance rates. Insurance companies, in some cases, are now requiring. If you have even a half-decent nice vehicle, it'll be mandatory that you have a tracking device in it or you'll pay a high-risk premium as if you've got a DUI or something on your record. Can you imagine that? You work hard, you save up, you do all the things right, and you're in a position where you can finally afford that car that you deserve. Maybe you're driving a a Benz, or maybe you're driving a a Porsche or a Mercedes. I already said Mercedes. Maybe you're driving a a Range Rover, whatever. You've worked hard to get that. And then they're going to tell you, by the way, we're going to charge you $8,000 a month in insurance unless you do X and Y to try and stop things that the cops and the CBSA should be looking after. It's crazy, Kat. Yeah. It's just crazy. We are getting a little low on time, and we do have the replay of today's Missed Connections coming up. Before we get to that, though, just a couple things I want to play that came down over the weekend. Earlier, we talked a little bit about UFC. At the end of the UFC on Saturday, there was a news conference with Dana White. And another reporter stepped up to ask a question. This clip went viral within hours. Listen to this. About like, you obviously give a long leash to your fighters about you know what they can say when they are up there with a UFC microphone, and you are getting into territory of homophobia, transphobia. Like, is there? I don't give anybody a leash. Well, I'm saying you a leash. I'm st- like free speech. I control when... what people say. Going to tell people what to believe? Going to tell people? I don't fucking tell any other human being what to say, what to think, and there's no leashes on any of them. What is your question? I was asking that question. I'll move on, though. Yeah, that's probably a good idea. It's ridiculous to say I give somebody a leash. Free speech, brother. People can say whatever they want, and they can believe whatever they want. 
if about like you are there yes, it is there it is yeah hey uh i didn't have a problem with anything he said there I didn't. I uh, I don't know if the UFC <laughs> has a responsibility to make sure that their fighters are are sticking to some sort of a code of conduct or whatever the case may be. Yeah. I don't know if that's the UFC's job to police that. You know what? It, it, it's such a different animal, a different animal compared to a lot of other things. I think about sports, NHL, for example. If there was a player, a hockey player that went off and complete homophobic rant. They'd be taken off and taken to- and been t- being talked to, right? Mm-hmm. Different. When it comes to UFC, totally different. It really is. Like, and when you think about it, even um, any kind of fighting, name of uh, Conor McGregor. There's another controversial person. They don't give a fuck because he's still going to have a following, even though most most people or some people might think he's a piece of shit. And what he says is rude, and what he does is, in some cases, really violent, outrageous, whatever. He kind of represents himself. It's a little bit of a different animal than a lot of other sports uh, leagues that we have, I think. So when you're talking like Sean Strickland, is Sean Strickland. And yes, of course, he fights under UFC and under that umbrella. But it's funny how people don't react that way. They're not like automatically, and you shouldn't. Like that reporter, I, I, wouldn't, have, I wouldn't have asked that question. Like he has nothing to do with him because it's a little different. He's his own personality. If we want to all cancel him, which by the way, that sport won't. But if they want to all cancel him, then they'll cancel him. But I, I do tend to agree with him. Like, let people be people. But some don't. That's why that, I think we're so accustomed here. I don't know if it's a Canadian thing. North America in general, automatically we look to that league. Like, oh, fuck. Uh, this person, let's, poor Conor McDavid would never say a bad word. But let's say Conor McDavid went on a fucking awful rant. It was racist. And blah. He's, getting, he's getting the fuck off the ice for sure. It's it's so funny how it's different, and I understand that people can't figure out the differences, but I don't. It's a different animal to me. I, I it really just, is. I don't understand what happens somewhere, somewhere along the line. Something changed where some people expected that anything that offends them, or that they think other people might be offended by, must be canceled. And I hate cancel culture. I think the whole thing is stupid. Gone are the days where. People could see that Sean Strickland news conference and say, oh, that guy's a fucking idiot. I don't want to watch that guy's fight. Or maybe they'll go as far as saying, you know what? If that's the kind of people that are in UFC, I don't think I want to watch UFC anymore. They aren't going to the president of the company trying to get UFC canceled and writing to Scotiabank Arena saying, how dare you support this this anti-LGBTQ plus fighter by allowing him to fight in your building. MLSE has nothing to do with it. Scotiabank Arena has nothing to do with it. UFC rented the arena, and that's where they're live from. Why go so far out of your way to try and get them canceled just because you disagree with what they said? I didn't like what Sean Strickland said. I didn't write letters to fucking anybody. I just didn't watch that's UFC. That's what I mean. Like, if you're going to cancel them, cancel them in your mind. Like, you know what I mean? Don't watch. Don't watch. Right? Another thing we want to play is something that came down on, I think it was Friday night. Justin Timberlake is one of those iconic singers. And when he releases new music, I feel like it's a big deal. He's going to play, or he's, is, did he say he's releasing new music? Or yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, it'll happen this week. So here's a little bit of him performing his brand new song. So if I could just 
yeah. the CD version or, or sorry, the MP3 <laughs> version will sound a lot different with the full production, but that's just a little bit of what it's going to sound like. It's called Selfish, by the way, and his album is called Everything I Thought I Was, so that'll follow uh, when that song is officially released. He did that, yeah, just as a special thing for Memphis. Obviously, he has a special place in his heart for Memphis, um, and he's going to be on SNL performing it on Saturday, which is great. He hasn't been on SNL since 2015. Since Jimmy Fallon It's left. been a long time, and Jimmy, he's on with Jimmy on Thursday, just so you know. So if you watch The Tonight Show or you just want to go ahead and record it, I'm going to be recording it for sure. Um, but Justin Timberlake will be on with Fallon, and then on the Saturday he's going to be performing. And I bet he'll show up in a skit or two. Why not? I'm sure he will. Is it too soon? Like, I feel like when Britney put out her book, which was one of the biggest books of 2023, there was a lot of, wait a second, don't know if I feel the same about Justin yeah. Timberlake that I used to. Yeah. I thought Justin was going to go away for a while, disappear for another year, even though he's it's been he's enough been time. been away a long time, right? I thought after the book, we're just going to let all the controversy die down, then we come back. He's not waiting, and I think that's a real I, gutsy move because this could go either way. Yeah, it could for sure, and there's going to be some people who just want to cancel him because they're Britney Spears fans. I don't know if, if that what he did is cancelable in terms of, you know, when you compare other people's cancellations. Um, however, it's going to be one of those things where, yes, he might have had some fans drop off is the truth. He might have had some fans drop off that won't be interested to buy the album, won't be watching him on SNL and all the other things. But I, I'm sure he wrestled with that, too. Like internally, I'm sure he did. Like once that book came out, he knew his family knew. I'm sure they talked about it like, fuck, what do I do? And probably ultimately decided, nah, I'm going to go ahead. This is when I, I, I'm finally ready to release music. People have been asking me to release music and I have it and it's ready to go. So I'm going to do it and see how it goes. And by all means, I think um, as long as it sounds good, people will be real quick to forget, I think. Yeah, good music think, can make the, uh, the heart heal. I think, honestly, because <laughs> it's not like what he did was like as bad as like a Kanye West rant against Jewish people or whatever, any number of other things where artists have been canceled through the years, right? Last but certainly not least, and we'll go quick on this, a passenger on an Air Canada flight had to be restrained yesterday after they tried to open up the emergency door on a flight from London Heathrow to Toronto. Ugh. Witnesses say the passenger was, quote, acting strange throughout the flight, then got up and tried to open the emergency door while the plane was over the Atlantic. Air Canada says their crew managed the situation appropriately. The flight carried on to Pearson. It was met by Peel police around 3 o'clock yesterday. The passenger is an elderly male. It's believed uh, he was in a mental health crisis uh-huh. and that his actions were not intentional. Okay. However, let's point out, less than two weeks ago, another Air Canada passenger walked on the plane, walked to the back of the plane, opened the emergency door, mm-hmm. and fell out onto the tarmac. That person was also deemed to be dealing with a mental health crisis at the time. I would love to be extremely sensitive to people who are dealing with mental health issues. I totally understand, and there's a lot of reasons to have them with all the shit that's going on around us. However, this is a big problem if twice in two weeks people with mental health issues have tried to open the door on a goddamn airplane. One of them actually did it. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, d- did they say, by the way, you mentioned that they properly took care of it and blah, blah. Did they have to, like, tackle the old guy or mm. maybe just some words worked? They did not. I assume they didn't. They weren't specific on how that happened. So I don't exactly know. I'm sure somebody's going to release video of it. They've now been back for uh, uh, 12 hours, 13 hours or whatever. So I'm sure someone is going to get the video out there. There wasn't really a danger here. 
when a plane is flying over the Atlantic, it's at at least 30,000 feet. It may have even been higher. The pressure at that height doesn't allow the plane door to open. You'd have to be much, much lower and the cabin decompressurized for the door to be allowed to open up. That's why if it has to do a water landing, God forbid, there they can open the emergency exit. 20,000, well, 30,000 feet, you can't open the door. So no real danger, but still, this is fucked up. This is another guy who wants to bring the airplane down or thinks it's okay to get off over the Atlantic. And, of course, it doesn't work like that. So they restrained him, probably tied him to the seat. Do you think they have handcuffs on an airplane? They might. They might have it for these kinds of situations where you have to restrain or they use zip ties. Like, it might not be actual handcuffs, but they could probably use zip ties or other things. I'm sure that they do have it handy just in case because you, you have to be prepared. And I'm, I hope they do. If you're drunk, they won't let you on an airplane because you are erratic and you may do something differently. If someone is clearly off, something's just not right, they're acting strangely, i.e. they're showing symptoms of having or, or of being in crisis. Yeah. Maybe we shouldn't let them on the airplane. I know. And, and I hate to say that, but maybe this isn't the best time for them to be traveling. Yeah. But how do you decipher that? I mean, how do you decipher someone from acting strange and being in a mental health crisis and maybe even not even being aware, right? There's some people who are in that crisis that aren't aware they are. How do you decipher that But between that and someone who's, I don't know, just acting kind of strange, but totally fine? Yeah. Uh, it's hard because, uh, you know what I mean? Then you got to mm. kind of play God in a way, you know? No, I know in what that, you mean. In that moment. Yeah. And that's a tough one because I don't know what they're trained for up at the the front ticket holder line, like which I assume would be kind of the final, like, holy shit, something's up with this guy, right? And then you tell the crew and I guess you maybe you have to work as a team and all have a consensus before you do that. But yeah, maybe more should be, maybe more should be done. Like, thankfully, nobody was hurt here and hopefully that man gets the, all the help that he needs. But how many times could something bad have happened, you know? And what has to happen before, before. they say, okay, no yes. more of this shit? Yes, exactly. Well, those are all good questions. I think there's no problem asking those questions and trying to figure out. And on that, we will say, hey, thanks a lot for listening to kick off your week. Happy Monday, everybody. Another brand new episode of After 9 coming out tomorrow. Uh, before we go, though, we always on Mondays like to leave you with a replay of today's Missed Connections from the Scott and Cat radio show. And just so you guys are reminded, that happens uh, live in the moment on the Scott and Cat show on Energy 95.3 and 91.5 The Beat on Mondays just after 8 o'clock in the morning. But here they are for you now. Thanks for listening. Missed Connections. Missed Connections on the Scott and Cat Show. All right, Missed Connections are where we tell you the stories of people that have had an encounter in the past and they can't find each other. One person is looking for the other and they told the story online. This one is about accidentally swiping the wrong way when you're trying to find someone. Sad situation. How do you get that person back? Hey, girl. Hey. I'm I'm doing this as written. Picture this. I'm on the toilet. I was tindering hard like you know I do. (laughs) Tindering hard. (laughs) Suddenly, bam, sweet sugar face angel child baby doll honey pie show up on my tinder. I'm in awe of your gorgeousy. Gorgeousy. Oh, that's new. (laughs) It's gorgeousy. I accidentally swiped you left as I worked out that bowel. My gosh, what have I done? I'm depressed. So I get off the toilet and I go lay down in a dark cupboard. I could squeeze into it if I bend my legs just right. Kind of wedged at a weird angle. But now I'll describe you to the best of my ability. 
blonde and pretty in mid-twenties. That's all I got. <laughs> if, well, that narrows it down. <laughs> if this sounds like you, reply with your photo and cup size. Maybe your bank account... <laughs> maybe your bank account balance. And we can see if we can make some magic happen. Oh, this guy is... He's, he's next level, right? That's a special individual. Is anyone giving in to this? Is anyone going, I'm... I'm pretty and blonde. I could send you my cup size and bank account information. <laughs> no one's doing that, right? Why would he admit he was on the toilet swiping? I don't think, I mean, I think he's probably, maybe he's one of these people who shot their shot in so many other ways and tried really hard and just said, screw it. I'm going to tell people I was taking a poop. Yeah, <laughs> I guess just honesty at the end of the day, maybe that'll work for him. What's the worst that could happen? No one's going to respond to it. Or maybe he'll get a bite. You just never know. Could be a fishing expedition, though. Just hoping some 20-something with whatever chest size and I assume a big bank account is going to reach out. That's right. (laughs) So be warned. I guess this is a warning more than a misconnection. (laughs) This next one happened at the YMCA. When was the last time you were at a YMCA? Ah, good question. I can't even remember. Grade school, high school, maybe for me. It's been a minute. Here we go, though. Let's all venture to the YMCA for this next one. It must be kismet that we both have our kneecaps tattooed. I've never seen a woman with a cap tat. Is that what we call it? Cap tat? Is that a thing? I've I've never heard of it before. So these people, they're probably men for each other, by the way, if they each have a tattoo on their kneecap. Willingly. I would think that's that's a lot of... A lot of bone happening there. Yeah. It's very sensitive. (laughs) Ouch. Uh, (laughs) I've at least never seen a woman with a cap tat that pretty. But wow, I love your use of color in those faces you had done. I couldn't quite make out what the faces were. Either Nicole Kidman or Eddie Murphy, a couple other people, resemble them. Nicole Kidman or Eddie Murphy. Does he mean like one's Nicole Kidman and one's Eddie Murphy? And if so, I have questions. That would be a very random set of tattoos. When you see somebody walking on, you're like, oh, Eddie, ooh, Nicole, yeah. You, you don't really do anyone a service if you're tatting faces on a kneecap. Like, when you when you put your legs straight, they're just blah. <laughs> <laughs> when I sit down, it's like, oh, and then you stand up, it's like, <laughs> <laughs> And knees bend. Good, good. <laughs> or maybe the two of them were your parents. Okay, yeah, all right. So there's two separate ones here. You glided down the water lanes with ease. I'm surprised I haven't seen you there before. My cap tats were the ones that were the smiley faces. In case you happen to see me too, well, I tried to show off my cannonball skills. I'm a white guy with buzzed hair. Would love to see if there's potential for more. I'll be at the Y for the next public swim if you want to say hello. So they both have faces on their kneecaps? And they both ran into each other at the same Y. I think this actually might be meant to be. Really? I think, well, maybe. Okay. Hey, maybe. 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 They met at a public swim? That's a weird place. I don't know if I hear that one very often. I just can't believe there's two people with knee kneecap tats. <laughs> cap tats, as we call it, apparently. In one place at the same time. <laughs> I don't know, Scott. I think that this is meant to be. <laughs> yeah. If there's somebody for everybody, I would think that if you went through the pain of getting your knee ta- kneecaps tattooed, and you found somebody else who yes. did the same thing, it's probably 
karma. This no fate. beautiful. You know, this could be the new Tom Hanks, Meg Ryan moment <laughs> that we've all been waiting for. You know, they run toward each other at the Y and they both dive in either side and they meet each other in the middle and kiss. Cap tats and all. You got to zoom I, in on the knees while they're running, though, right? Like face, no face, face, no face, face, no and again, face. And the face goes, <laughs> <laughs> it's a beautiful thing, everybody. It's a beautiful thing.